This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. You might assume we're both good at presenting to a live audience because of this podcast. But at the end of the day, when we record, it really feels like we're just talking to one another. Presenting information in person in a formal setting to a large audience is something that still makes us really nervous. To prepare for a live speaking event we're hosting together, we turn to our masterclass subscription to not only refine our presentation skills, but to build our confidence in a different kind of public speaking capacity. Between Robin Roberts, Hillary Clinton, and Kevin Hart's expertise, our confidence skyrocketed. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Don't just talk about improving. Masterclass helps you actually do it. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master negotiate with Chris Voss, think like a boss with Martha Stewart, or plan your dream wedding with celebrity event planner Mindy Wise, Masterclass has you covered. There are over 200 classes to pick from. With new classes added every month, like our latest aha moments from Robin Roberts' effective and authentic communication class that we watched before our event presentation. She taught us how to establish a genuine connection with the audience from the start. I'll always be a little nervous before presenting, but Masterclass prepared us in a way that dialed my nerves down and gave me tools to ground myself. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. And right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Get 50% off right now at masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Welcome to Shrink Chicks. I'm Emily Beerley. And I'm Jennifer Chaikin. And we're licensed marriage and family therapists and owners of the therapy group. We're on a mission to make therapy and therapeutic topics more relatable and accessible. So stay tuned, because in order to grow yourself, you gotta know yourself. We are so excited to welcome our guests today, Vanessa and Xander Marin, co-hosts of the Pillow Talks podcast. Vanessa is a licensed psychotherapist with 20 years of experience in the sex therapy field, and Xander is a regular dude who's been married to a sex therapist for over a decade. Their mission is to take the intimidation out of getting intimate. Welcome. Thanks. We are very excited to be here with you guys. So wait, the first question everyone must ask is, Xander, (laughs) how does this feel for you? The regular dude. <laughs> regular dude. Sometimes we call him like the certified cool dude or licensed cool dude. I no, like licensed. that. Licensed is good because, you know, it's, it's, I want to have some kind of license after Vanessa's like, you know, I'm an MFT. I've got 20 years of experience. Um, no, it feels pretty, it feels, it feels pretty awesome um, to, to do what I do and to be married to Vanessa. Um, I, I think that the question a lot of people ask is like, oh, what was it like when you met Vanessa or, you know, found out she wanted to be a sex therapist? And uh, I thought it was pretty cool. I never thought that I would be involved in it. And, um, you know, it's we've been together 14 years now, 14 years later, here I am. And it's it's pretty good. (laughs) How did you guys talk a little bit about how did you get comfortable starting to talk about sex in more of like a public (laughs) forum? 
Yeah. So initially, you know, I started off the business. I always knew that I wanted to be a sex therapist. I was just endlessly fascinated by sex. And so I started building up an online business in around like 2014, 2015, realized like, oh, online courses are really good fit for this because it's such a sensitive subject. And, you know, getting people to come into an office and talk about it out loud, like that can be a little bit challenging. And so Xander joined me, like initially I was just sort of asking him for help. My, the first thing was like building a spreadsheet. I was like, I don't know how to build a spreadsheet. So he started helping me with little projects and eventually like started taking on more and more, you know, responsibilities and realizing like, oh, this is really fun what you're doing. And it's really cool to be like building up this business. And so he was behind the scenes kind of like the operations manager for years. And I kept bugging him saying like, will you talk about stuff with me? Like, I want to talk about the fact that, you know, we're a couple, we struggle with a lot of these same things too. And he kept saying like, well, I don't have the qualifications that you do. I don't have that training. I don't have the degrees and the license. And I said, yeah, but that's the point because I don't know if you guys experience this too. Like, I think sometimes with me, people will say, okay, but yeah, you're the therapist. Of course, this is easy for you to do, or of course, you know what to do in that situation. And so I kept telling him like, it would be so valuable for us to have the perspective from not only for us to talk about stuff as a couple, but for somebody who doesn't have training, who, you know, doesn't have a license. And so I, I worked on you for a, a couple of years oh, yeah. <laughs> eventually. <laughs> and what do you think made you finally break down? <laughs> well, probably a combination of things. On the one hand, I was starting to realize that I was not loving being the operations manager, um, that, you know, our business was growing a lot and, um, it was growing a lot and it just, I was realizing that I, 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 it didn't light me up inside doing the operations stuff. And it was really exciting to see, you know, what Vanessa was doing as, you know, with content and sort of like as a leader of our growing team. And so there was part of me that kind of wanted to, you know, get out of that operational role. Um, and then on the flip side, I think I started getting more and more involved. It was mostly like Instagram stories. Mm -hmm. um, and it just took me a long time of really seeing the results of like actually getting feedback from people of like, oh, this is really powerful to hear what you think about this. And so it just, it took some repetitions of like hearing that I actually did have something to offer and that, you know, kind of our powers combined, I think like our I don't know, like what we were talking about kind of spoke louder to people. And I think it's also just really important to acknowledge like, we were super awkward at it when we began. Like you can look through some of our highlights on Instagram and see some of the older videos. Like they're very awkward, you know? Like we don't have these magical superpowers that nobody else has. Like we just, you know, through that repetition of showing up on Instagram every day and talking about sex, talking about our relationship, like over time it got less awkward and easier. And that's really the point I want to drill into other people is like, of course it's going to be awkward when you first start talking about it with your partner, but like give yourself some practice, give yourself a chance to get more comfortable. And one of the things you guys do, and, and like every listener, if you don't follow them on Instagram, you have to, because one of the things you guys do so freaking well is you're one, super accessible with all the free content you put out, but you're also like super human, right? Like, like and not like you're superheroes, super but I mean, like, you're like your humanity <laughs> shows very much. And I think that that's really important when we talk about sex, because people seem to have these really dichotomous views about like, oh, like I'm 
far end of the purity culture, I can't, can't talk about it or not, or I have to be like, I'm having this like overly sexualized, hypersexual thing. And you guys talk about it as like, hey, like we're just married. And like, actually sex isn't like this easy thing we're told that it is. Right. We think it's going to be this really easy totally organic thing and i love one of the things you guys are really good at is talking about scheduling sex Mm -hmm. and i want to hear about that because that is when we talk with couples about scheduling sex people are so resistant really resistant everyone's like that is not sexy at all and you guys are really normalizing so i want to hear all about your take on scheduling sex yeah. So first of all, I can say when I first heard about scheduling sex, I thought like, this is the worst idea in the world. Who came up with this and thought that this was a great idea. And I had that same reaction, that feeling of like, oh man, if you have to schedule it, that means something's really wrong. Like you guys are not a good fit. You're not compatible. So I had that reaction too. And then life caught up to us. Like we got into a really busy period of our lives where Xander was working and kind of in corporate America, I was working at Google, working really long hours, a lot of stress. And I was going through, you know, graduate school or doing my hours towards licensure, something like that. And we were just, you know, really starting to drift apart and feeling very disconnected and getting into that, that stage where you're like, when was the last time we had sex? Like, I can't quite remember. And so we decided to start doing it. And initially still like had that kind of like, oh, you know, things are not good. But we started playing around with it in different ways. And I think that's really the secret that we discovered with scheduling sex is it's the way that you schedule it that really matters. So of course, if you approach it in this very cold clinical, like, okay, it's going to be, you know, 8, 13 PM on Wednesdays and we will meet in the bedroom. You will Put be it wearing in the calendar. Thing, and <laughs> I will, you know, like, of course, if you do it that way, like that's not going to feel very fun, but we started playing around with different ways of doing it and realized that when we scheduled it, it actually created this sense of anticipation for both of us of like, oh, there's something to look forward to. And it started reminding us of like early in our relationship, because I think this is the big thing that so many of us get wrong is that we look back at the early stages of our relationship and we think, oh, everything was so spontaneous back then. It It was so easy. Why can't we just go back to that? But if you really think about it, like, what are you doing at the beginning of a relationship? Like you're scheduling dates with each other. You're putting stuff on your calendar. You're having to make that effort of, Ooh, he wants to go on a date with me on Wednesday, but shoot, I've got to make sure that I like get that project done in time. And I want to like go to the gym beforehand or like play around with my outfit. Like we do all of this, you know, work at the beginning of a relationship. And we look at it in that period as being really exciting. Like who doesn't remember getting ready for a date and spending like hours, you know, and like, there's nothing spontaneous about any of that. It's just your attitude about the planning is different. So that for us was really the main lesson of like, yeah, sure. We can approach it in this cold, like our sex life is dead. We have to now schedule it, or we can approach it as how do we bring back some of that excitement, that anticipation, that planning that we used to love so much at the beginning of our relationship. I love that. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm hearing that this is at a time in which Vanessa, you were in grad school and you were really busy and Xander, you were doing a ton of work. And so I'm just thinking about if you're in grad school for this, like what that communication initially was like to be able to bring that up to each other. So I'm thinking about like a couple who maybe isn't in grad school for this kind of thing. Like, how do you have that conversation about like, hey, we haven't had sex in a while. Um, How do you initially bring that up to your partner? 
Well, I will say, despite Vanessa being in grad school for this, it was not an easy conversation. Oh, no. I, assume. We, I assume. We probably made every mistake that you can make in how we did it. Um, you know, that's kind of, that's why we do what we do now to try to help people, you know, to learn from our mistakes and do it right the first time. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think that talking about what it is that you are wanting to experience with this. So again, it's like, you know, if you go to your partner and you're like, our sex life is terrible. And I think we need to schedule it because this is the only way that we're going to resuscitate it. Like, of course your partner's going to be like, Wait, what? Like, what are you saying to me? <laughs> but if you can approach your partner and like, so first you take a little bit of time to think about like, what is it that you miss about having more regular intimacy with them? Like, what do you feel like when the two of you are like in sync, you're on the same page, you're having a lot of intimacy, like think about those specific details and then approach your partner with that of saying some, you know, saying something like, I really miss having this time where it's just you and me connecting with each other. I know life has been so busy. There's so much on our plate right now, but I love that feeling of it. Like it's just you and me in that moment and everything else melts away. And I would really love for us to like find a way to create more of that space. So if you're framing it in that positive, loving way, like what partner is not going to be like, oh, yeah, I want that too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. But we have this knee jerk reaction of like, well, why aren't we having sex? Right. Like there's like, there's more energy. So to, I love what you're saying about being very intentional about the way that you bring it up, talking about what you do want or what you miss as opposed to what you don't want. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I think it's really important to, to talk about it in the context of like, like, why do we want to schedule sex? Like we want to schedule sex because we want to make sure it continues to be a priority because, you know, we want to have better sex. We want to be able to communicate about the sex that we're having. I think so many people just shy away from the communication about any aspect of sex. Like, for example, just, I think yesterday we were polling people on Instagram about like, do you listen to music? Do you have sex silently or do you have the TV on? And we were shocked at how few people put on music. And then we got all these messages from people being like, oh, well, I, I want to listen to music, but like, how do you put it on? That seems so awkward. And it's like, well, no, you just have to put it on right. sex verbally and be like, hey, you want to have sex right now? Right. Like, let's go to the bedroom. And then you have like time to plan. Like you could put on something cute. You could put on music. You could set the lights. It doesn't have to be this purely spontaneous thing. Mm -hmm. Well, and also like this interesting thing of people being so fearful that things are awkward. Like, isn't life kind of awkward, right? Like, oh, so yeah. what is, right? Like, what is it about? And that's one of the things. And I think that's what you guys do so great on so much of the content that you put out, which is like, hey, it's okay for this to be kind of awkward, right? Like that doesn't actually say anything about your sexual compatibility. It doesn't say anything about your relationship. But for some reason, as humans, we tend to go down that, that it like says something negative about us. If we're not like perfectly well, comfortable I, in all realms like what a bizarre I, expectation i think the like media movies have yeah. really kind of fucked us up in a <laughs> oh, lot yeah. of ways for sure telling for us sure. that like oh it's gonna be this spontaneous amazing experience and then we're both gonna orgasm at the same time uh-huh and then it'll be over and then we'll be in love and we'll get married and we'll never fight yeah, and on the other hand, you have you have movies like American Pie, where it's like showing how everything can go horribly wrong, and you're <laughs> laughing at that. So of right. course, then we feel like, oh well, I couldn't possibly ever be in a situation anywhere close to that. 
Mm, yeah, we right. started talking about it a lot in terms of sexual perfectionism. You know, I think most of us are, are familiar with perfectionism outside of the bedroom and all the ways it can rear its ugly head, but it's really starting to creep into the bedroom too, where people, you know, like, of course it's, it's understandable, like who doesn't want to be good in bed, right? Like we all want to feel confident, but I think a lot of people it's crossing this threshold into perfectionism where they feel like, no, but I have to be incredible and I can't have any misstep. I can't have any awkward moments. Like it all has to unfold perfectly. And it's just creating so much pressure for all of us and really sucking all of the fun and the joy out of intimacy too. Yeah. And then if you have one bad experience, you go, oh, well, I would rather just not do it than have that risk of any of these things going wrong. Mm-hmm. Anyone else feeling like the mental load of making dinner, the planning, the shopping, the prep, figuring out the timing? It's a little heavy to carry, huh? Same. That's why I am so grateful for Hungry Root. The food quality, simple recipes, true tastiness, and delivery right to my door is truly a game changer. When getting started, you take a fun, short quiz and Hungry Root will get to know you, what you like to eat, and more. Then they'll build you a personalized cart with all your grocery needs for the week and give you delicious recipe recommendations to put those groceries to use. So you can sit back, relax, and offload the many steps of meal planning. Each order is fully customizable so you can take their suggestions or choose anything you want. They've got fresh produce, high-quality meat and seafood, healthy snacks, smoothies, sweets, ready meals, kids' snacks and meals, vitamins, supplements, much more. My favorite item from my latest box was the honey citrus chopped salad, lemon pepper chicken, and the four cheese tortellini. You gotta try it for yourself. Everything from Hungry Root follows a simple standard. It's gotta taste good, be quick to make, and contain whole trusted ingredients. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Shrink Chicks listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash ShrinkChicks to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash ShrinkChicks. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. Did you know that billions of plastic hand soap and cleaning bottles end up in landfills every year? I used to contribute to that waste, constantly buying single-use plastic cleaning products without giving it much thought. But then I discovered Blue Land, and it has been a game changer. Blue Land has helped me eliminate the need for single-use plastic and the products I reach for the most. They are reinventing cleaning essentials. Their approach is simple yet revolutionary. Refillable cleaning products with a sleek design that not only looks great on your counter, but also reduces plastic waste significantly. What I love most is the convenience. With Blueland, I never worry about running out of cleaning supplies or lugging bulky bottles from the store. From hand soap to toilet bowl cleaner to laundry tablets that each smell incredible, all Blueland products are made with clean ingredients you can feel good about. I was blown away when I received my first Blueland order. I immediately filled the bottles with water and their tablets, which was so easy to try everything out. And the ingredients are clean, the scents are refreshing, and the packaging is just so cute. Blueland is trusted in over 1 million homes, including mine. If you you're ready to make a positive change for the planet without sacrificing cleanliness or convenience, Blueland has you covered. Blueland has a special offer for our listeners. Right now, get 15% off your first order by going to blueland.com slash shrinkchicks. You won't want to miss this. Blueland.com slash shrinkchicks for 15% off. That's blueland.com slash shrinkchicks to get 15% off. So speaking of polling Instagram followers, we put a question box out for you. 
You got a lot of you got a lot of questions. So here. many questions. Oh, are good, are good. you ready to answer some <laughs> listener questions? We are ready. <laughs> okay. All right. You you can go first, my darling. I'm gonna kick it off. You ready? With a with a tough one. All right. <laughs> How to work with and heal past sexual trauma with a new partner. Oh yeah, I'm really glad that somebody asked that because this is just a topic that really doesn't get talked about enough. And so I'm going to say something that sounds really, really basic, but a lot of people just don't make that realization. But if you have had some sort of traumatic experience with sex, and the other piece of this too is most of us really downplay trauma. Like every time I've talked to somebody who has experienced trauma, I will always hear things like, oh, well, it wasn't that bad. It happened so long ago. Other people have had it way worse. Like, oh, no, no, no. You know, and so I think it's really important for us to all acknowledge and validate like whatever trauma or even negative experiences that we've had. So the basic thing that I wanted to say is that our past experiences with sex affect our current experiences with sex. And again, super basic, but so many people don't make that connection. And so I try to talk to them about the difference between how our brains and our bodies process trauma. So in your brain, you might be able to think, sure, that was a long time ago. I'm with a partner who's very safe now, and I don't feel like that would ever happen again. But your body has registered this experience of sex is unsafe, what I want doesn't matter. My boundaries don't matter. Even it's painful, right? And so our bodies are really hardwired to avoid negative, painful experiences like that. And so it makes a lot of sense if you've been through a trauma to not have much of a sex drive, to have a hard time staying present in the moment, to not be able to experience a lot of pleasure or a lot of orgasm, or even to feel kind of dissociated from your body. So I think that first step is just, like giving ourselves that validation and acceptance. Like, of course, nobody wants to stay in that place where you're feeling traumatized or stuck, but it really has to start with acknowledging like, this makes sense. I understand why I'm having this reaction and being so gentle with yourself. Mm. Okay, you ready? We have so many. That's why we're just firing them at you. <laughs> we're gonna just let you guys go. We're not saying anything that you're perfect. Um, Somebody wrote in that their couples therapist said, we can talk about sex, but really just focus on emotional intimacy. How many times you heard this? We we get this. People will come in and be like, well, I have another couples therapist, but they only do emotional work. They don't do anything with sex. Oh, yeah. Huh? This also ties in with the last question as well, because a lot of people will yeah. process a trauma in therapy, but then not actually talk about, okay, now what do I do when it comes to having sex going forward? Yeah. yeah. So I think that the important thing for people to understand is that in order to become a couples therapist, you need to get hardly any training in sex therapy. And that blows my mind because I, I don't like those two things are so intertwined with each other. How is it possible to talk about sex without relationships, relationships without sex? Right. But you know, when I got my license, I needed to do a one unit course on human sexuality. Basically all I learned was the anatomically correct name for genitals. And that was it. Right. So the vast majority of couples therapists, you know, the other important thing to remember about therapists is that we're human to, and that we grow up, you know, learning the same kind of BS that everybody else does. So a lot of couples therapists 
feel shame and embarrassment around sex. And they haven't actually been trained with the tools that they need to help their clients talk about it. So I think it's, I really want this to change. I really want, you know, more training to be required. Um, but for the meantime, it's important, you know, for people seeking out therapy to understand that this is a big issue, you know, in the field right now. And if you're interested in talking about sex to really talk to your therapist beforehand and say, you know, is this something that you talk about? Not just the emotional intimacy aspect of it, but the, you know, the physical aspect of it as well. Yeah. And I think I was also just going to say, you know, to anybody out there in therapy, wanting to talk about this stuff. And then, you know, hearing a response like that from your therapist, I hopefully having this information now that like most couples therapists don't have that training will help you realize that when, when a therapist says that to you, it's not a reflection on you of like, oh, something must be horribly wrong with me because like no one wants to talk about that. Like it's just that person's own insecurities and, and probably lack of training. And so, you know, it's just a matter of seeking out someone with the right training and the right experience. It has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with something being wrong with you. Well, it's so funny because so we or MFTs and in our MFT program, you could choose to do the sex therapy track or the family track. So... <laughs> It was an option, but it was, we were, we did the sex therapy track. We were were like, we were going to work with a lot of people just did the family therapy track and didn't have it. And right. So like, so two people coming from graduated the same exact time from the same exact program could have two very different trainings. And so I think that is luxurious compared to the program (laughs) that I went to in my little one unit class. Like what? (laughs) Also rhetorical question. How are those families created? (laughs) Right. Right. They've never had sex before, right. actually. Something you should know about them immaculate is they were all conception. immaculate conception. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Happy Hanukkah. Okay. Um, <laughs> this is going to come out so much later. It's, that joke's not going to work anymore. Um, a lot of people want to talk about increasing libido. Uh-huh. Okay. So libido is a a surprisingly complex issue. And I think a lot of us, you know, are struggling with libido and we just want that like fast fix. So like, yeah, give me the, the pill. Yeah. What's the supplement that's going to work or, you know, the hormone replacement or whatever kind of stuff. Um, and libido is so much more complex than that. And I really like to think of libido as an indicator of our overall well-being. Because our libido, I, I developed like a, I called it the five foundations model of libido to talk about the five major categories of things that can affect it. And there are a lot of things <laughs> like there's medical. So there's, you know, medical conditions that you might have, medications that you're taking, even injuries or illnesses that you may have had. There's mental. So stuff that you were taught to believe about sex, getting distracted in the moment. There's emotional, which is kind of those deeper, you know, past experiences that we've had, any sort of shame, embarrassment, guilt that comes up around sex. Relational, which I think a lot of people don't realize is what's going on between you and your partner is going to affect how much desire you have for them. So a lot of people are like, why don't I want to have sex with my partner? I mean, I'm so pissed at my partner and he doesn't do anything to help around the house. And we are super disconnected. We haven't spent any time together, but why did I not so weird? <laughs> it's a mystery. And then the last one is sensual, which is another thing that I think people don't like don't understand so much that there's really like there's an enjoyment desire connection. So if the sex that you are having is not pleasurable, 
you are not going to crave it. And so we so often get people saying, you know, I have no desire for sex. We'll ask them, Hey, tell us what sex looks like for you. What does it feel like? And it's like, Oh, it's super boring. We do the same thing every time. It really seems like it's much more about my partner than for me. It's over really fast. So we're like, okay, so why would you crave that experience? Like that actually doesn't make any sense. But I think we're so quick to judge ourselves. We're like, something's wrong with me. I'm broken. I never want sex. Maybe I'm asexual. Like there's so many judgments that we come up around ourselves and not to say that there's anything wrong with being asexual because there's not. It's just a kind of an illustration of how judgmental we can get of ourselves. Um, but really needing to recognize like all of those things are affecting your libido. And so can you take a step back and, you know, treat yourself with gentleness and compassion and think about like, what is it that might be going on in my life right now? That's making it difficult for me to tap into that side of myself. Yeah. And I mean, I can speak from my own experience around that time period that Vanessa was describing earlier, where we started playing around with scheduling sex and playing around with it in not the best way. <laughs> Initially, like I was struggling with my libido. And I very much did like, I did think about like, Oh, is there a quick fix? Like, do I need to get, you know, I was really close to like going to the doctor to get like my hormones tested. So I was like, well, there just must be something wrong with me. Now, looking back, the reality was I was super stressed at work. I was like commuting, like, you know, spending like three hours a day on the freeway. I was working really hard. I was barely ever home. So like stress was super high. Um, there was sort of this built up tension between Vanessa and me around like the lack of sex that we were having. So that was sort of like a negative feedback loop. I was not very healthy. I wasn't working out. I wasn't eating particularly healthy. And so like of looking back, it's like, yeah, of course I wasn't wanting sex very much. And I think, you know, unfortunately for most people, like there's not going to be a super quick fix, but you, but it is an opportunity for you to ask the tough questions of like, what else is going on in my life? Like what, how can I make changes in my life to, you know, increase my overall well-being, which is by the way, going to increase your libido. A really fun fact about me that you might not know is that if I let my hair dry natural, it is a frizzball mess, which is one of the many reasons I absolutely love pros. I truly never thought that I would be able to embrace my natural hair texture. Ever since I switched to a custom hair routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits. Less frizzy hair, yes, but beyond that too. My hair is shinier, healthier, and so much more manageable. Filming the podcast every week makes checking out my hair unavoidable, and I have felt so much more confident on camera thanks to pros. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do. The custom shampoo and conditioner combo, plus the hydrating leave-in conditioner and hair oil keeps the frizz at bay. It also makes for the smoothest blowout. People keep asking me if I got my hair cut or went to the salon, which is of course the highest compliment. Pros isn't just better for you. It's better for the planet. They're certified B Corp cruelty free and the first and only carbon neutral custom beauty brand. They even have a review and refine tool, which learns from my feedback and adjusts my formula to keep up with the seasons and changes in my life. I use this feature when I moved to my temporary house in New Jersey, back to my house house post construction project in Pennsylvania. Environmental factors like water source is something that pros takes into consideration with their customization 
location. So it was very cool that I had the ability to update my location. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin, and they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash chicks. So you get a free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash chicks. That's P-R-O-S-E.com slash chicks. I am thrilled that the weather is finally warming up here in Philly. I went to switch out my closet the other day from my fall winter wear to my spring summer wear and noticed that I very much needed a refresh. So thank goodness for Quince that allows me to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Now I have a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. I refresh my closet with the high-waisted linen shorts that come in multiple colors and patterns, the comfiest cotton tees, and my latest favorite, the smocked mini dress. And don't miss out on the accessories. Quince has the coolest sunglasses and 14 karat gold jewelry to complete any look. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, making me feel even better about my purchases. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash shrinkchicks for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash shrinkchicks to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash shrinkchicks. Like it starts with each individual person, right? Yeah, To be absolutely. able to say what's going on for me. Well, and I think another thing that I love that you talk about a lot um, in a lot of the content you put out, Vanessa, is masturbation. Is that mm-hmm. sex with yourself is going to be a good indicator of sex with somebody else. But I think that people are very uncomfortable to talk about oh, yes. the importance of masturbation. And first of all, so how fucking awesome it is. And right, like, you know, because unfortunately, once again, it's not talked about at all, unless it's like for a lot of people in a very shameful way. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I love talking about masturbation. That's like one, one of my favorite topics to talk about, and especially for cis women, because, you know, there's there's shame around masturbation for people of all genders. But I think especially for women, we grow up being like, ooh, that's a really bad thing. And so we get to, you know, we get to adulthood and so many of us have never taken that time to explore our bodies, never figured out what it is that works for us. And then, you know, if we're pairing with men who have had you know, at that point, years, maybe decades of exploring their own bodies, figuring out exactly what they like, exactly what works for them. You know, there's this really this huge imbalance. And that's why we're seeing such a big orgasm gap with heterosexual couples. Um, I really believe it traces down to that, that as women, we're just, we're denied that opportunity to learn what we like and to be able to like advocate for ourselves. So then we end up having sex that really is all about the guy. You know, most of us tend to overemphasize intercourse. We feel like that's the only thing that counts as sex. Everything else is just like the foreplay that you do for 30 seconds before you have the intercourse. Um, And intercourse, oh, conveniently, like mimics what guys do when they're on their own, whereas it doesn't give women the stimulation that we need. So it just, you know, a whole bunch of stuff gets um, really stacked up against us. Okay. So true. Um, all right. I, there are so many questions, and I have to figure out, because I know we don't have a ton of time with you guys. So we'll do we rapid-fire responses. Yes, we're going to do rapid-fire <laughs> okay, responses. Okay. 
I think this is a good one because I think it, you know, it really touches on a lot for people. Self-conscious during sex and how to work through it. Oh, this is such a good one. It's making me think of, so if um, anybody's listening, go to our Instagram account and look at, we have a highlight called body love. We did a really funny story where I asked women, like, tell me what are the specific things that you feel self-conscious of during sex? And I asked Xander about all of them and even pointed out on my body of like, like some, some woman said, oh, that, you know, your chicken wings on your arm. So I was like pointing out to Xander, like here, like here, this is what the little chicken wing is. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know what at least half of these things were. I, like, I still don't understand what cellulite is. Like Vanessa says that, like at least once a week, and I'm like, no one, still no one has really given me a proper definition of this. Like, what the hell is it? It's just a really funny story because you know he's just in the nicest possible way. He's so clueless about all of this stuff. And I think it's really powerful for us to recognize like we are all our own worst enemies when it comes to our bodies. There's literally not a single other person in the world who sees your body the way that you see it. And especially not the person who's like getting to see it naked on a regular basis. So I think I asked you like, you know, well, what if I'm in a position where like, you know, my stomach roll is, you know, kind of popping out or something like that. Do you remember what you said? I know. But <laughs> like, I was probably like, no, I guess my same thing probably happens to me. I've never thought of that. Yeah. You're, he was like, he's like, I, I have literally never thought a single critical thought of your body or of my own body during sex. He's like, I'm having sex. Like, why would I, <laughs> why would I interrupt that flow to be like, oh, wow, look at her chicken wing flapping in the wind there, you know? Yeah, like I'm enjoying myself. <laughs> Why would I want to do something else? Well, it goes, but it's such a great point, right? Why women entering so much more into the spectatoring state where they leave their bodies and stuff were so highly critical. And you're like, oh, I'm actually here to have pleasure, right? And women are like, I'm, I'm here to just be accepted often. You know, like there's a part of me that this has been about approval and like what sex means for me. And so like, what an interesting thing to sit here. And it's, that's what's so amazing about the dynamic you guys have to be able to sit here and be like, oh, no, no, no. They actually don't give a shit. Right. I was like, feeling for me too. I was like, wait, really? Like you've never noticed this? So I think, yeah, I, I think that obviously self-confidence, like we could talk about this for days on end, but I think that one of the best antidotes to dealing with negative body image or lack of self-confidence in the bedroom is to try to focus on the pleasure that your body is capable of feeling instead. I love that. Um, oh, wait. I have another. How to overcome the fear of rejection that comes with initiating sex? Well, I think the first step on this one is just to maybe expand your the way you're looking at rejection. Instead of just focusing on sex, think about life in general. Like there should not be an expectation that you will never be rejected in life. Like rejection is part of life. So just first of all, trying to remind yourself like, okay, yeah, like I've probably applied for jobs and they rejected me. They never wrote me back. They never called me back. You know, I've been probably rejected asking someone out on a date or whatever, just all the ways that you get rejected, probably on like a daily, near daily basis. <laughs> and then try to be like, okay, well, you know what, like if I can handle it in that area of my life, can I think about the possibility of what it would be like during sex? Yeah, I think we need to accept that rejection is going to be a part of every person's sex life. And that doesn't make it any less painful. Of course, it sucks. Anytime you hear a no, it's awful. But like 
Xander and I reject each other all the time. Like it's just a reality of being in relationships. So I think we do have to have some you know, form of acceptance over that. But I also think we need to reframe what's actually happening. Like, I don't like the word rejection because it sounds so personal. It's as if your partner is telling you like, the way that you're hearing it is like, you're unsexy. I do not want to have sex with you. Gross, ew, go away, leave me alone, right? But the reality is that we turn our partner down for sex like 99.9% of the time, it's because of external circumstances. I'm exhausted. I'm really in a terrible mood. My stomach is so bloated and I'm farting like crazy. And I don't want you to know that. Right. So it's like, we're able to realize, like, think about the last time you turned your partner down for sex. Like you, you weren't thinking you're gross and disgusting and terrible. Go away. Leave me alone. You were thinking like, oh man, I am just, you know, I'm in a mood today and I can't see myself like being there. So I think we need to recognize it on the flip side of it too. When your partner says no to sex, they are not directly personally rejecting you. They are turning down sex in that moment for a particular reason. Absolutely. And the way in which you go about rejecting your partner too, to be able to say oh, to yeah. them, right? As opposed to like, ugh, no, get off me. Right? Like, mm-hmm. Just because you're tired or you're stressed, right? As opposed to saying, listen, I'm tired. I'm stressed. I had a really long day. This is not personal to you. I just am, you know, want to chill by myself. Yeah. And I think so often we have such like a kind of knee jerk reaction that sometimes can be hurtful in the relationship. So to be very honest about what's going on for you in those moments. Yeah, that's why we push so much for people to be more communicative about sex. As like Xander was saying kind of at the beginning of this, like so many people just don't want to open their mouths to even like utter the words, do you want to have sex? And so then the person who's being initiated with is just going to either pretend they didn't hear it or roll over or do like, oh, no kind of thing, rather than if we can use our words. Let's all put on our big boy and big girl and big people (laughs) panties and use our words. And, you know, then it makes more space for somebody to say, Hey, these are the specific reasons rather than the like, Oh no. Yeah. And I think that actually brings up a really good point that where, you know, if you are not actually verbally initiating sex, I can understand how the rejection would sting so much more. Like if you're like, I can't talk about sex, it's, it's too hard to even ask about. So like, I'm going to go slip into some lingerie and then I'm going to like do this whole like, you know, sexy act to try to like seduce my partner. And then they say no, of course, that's going to feel really awful. But if you lowered the stakes a little bit and it was kind of like, hey, would you be interested in like having some sexy time? Like I could go change into something more comfortable. Then, you know, when if if your partner does say no, you haven't gone to, you haven't taken all those steps yet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Great point. Okay. Well, speaking of communication, this is a perfect lead in quite a few people. And I'm wondering, some people might be listening to this episode now and thinking like, oh shit, I actually am really bored of my sex life. And that's part of what's led into, um, my decreased desire. So what are your guys' advice with bringing up fantasies and different things you'd like to try in your sex life? Yeah, I think that's a great idea, but I would hold off on that for a little bit because I think the big mistake that people make is they don't talk about sex. They don't talk, don't talk, don't talk for years, months. And then they're like, okay, I'm going to finally do it. (laughs) 
And we either go like really far to the deep end of starting to like, let me divulge my deepest, darkest fantasies that I've never told anyone before. Or we're at a point where our sex life is so bad. We're feeling so frustrated that what comes tumbling out is just a bunch of complaints. And like, I don't like this. And I hate this move that you've been doing for 10 years. So we always encourage people to really take baby steps when it comes to talking about sex. So I think the best starting point for that it's just to start off giving your partner compliments. Like don't even have an agenda. Don't be trying to accomplish anything. Don't be giving any feedback. Just get comfortable with talking about sex as a, you know, as a topic, you know, as a subject. So give compliments, you know, when you got, you could talk about past memories, like, oh man, that just popped into my head. And that was a really great memory. That was super fun. So like, wade into it a little bit. And then once you start getting more comfortable, you guys have had a few conversations about sex, then that's the point where you can start talking about, you know, some of the deeper things or making requests, sharing fantasies, that kind of thing. I love that. Okay. This question is not on the list, but it just came to my head and I'm curious. (laughs) Like if you guys go to like Thanksgiving dinner, (laughs) how do people treat you? How do people treat you and what questions or topics do they bring up to you? Just really curious. Do you lie about your profession when you're just meeting random people? Do you say you're accountants? <laughs> we don't. And we have definitely had some funny experiences because yeah. of that. We've gotten a lot better. We've gotten a lot more comfortable with just sort of like the spiel that we give about, about what we do. And I think with family, it's never been horribly awkward. Um it's definitely, you know, we've been doing this for a while now. And so it, it feels pretty, it feels pretty normal. Um, I will say though, Xander's like 93 year old grandma recently told us that she listens to our podcast and I turned bright red immediately as soon as she said that. And I was hoping that it was one of those, like, yeah, the podcast is great. You know, the general like, okay, sure. Maybe she listened to like the first five minutes of something, but no, she went into detail about the specific episodes that she really liked that she was having her young trainer, her personal trainer at the senior citizens facility that she lives in, which one she was making him listen to. And I was like, okay, this is the, we told you guys at the beginning, it's, it's hard to embarrass us. I was like, oh no, that, I'm embarrassed. That I'm was it. Just straight no. up embarrassed. What is a, what a supportive nanny. I mean, Truly. come on, Nana. Wow. I was I was very pleased afterwards. And I was like, that is really freaking cool. <laughs> that like, you know, especially the era that she grew up in that, you know, she could now feel comfortable listening to the podcast and telling us that. But in the moment, it was definitely like, oh, my God, wait, what episode was that? <laughs> like, like, what did I talk about? <laughs> wait, I'm going to pretty much guarantee she is the trainer's favorite client. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Like, like, she sounds like a badass lady I would like to hang out with on a she Sunday. Is. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Um, hey, before we end for today, with every guest, we play Calling BS, which is we ask everyone to call some bullshit BS that goes on in your field. Whatever comes for you, you want to talk about today. What's your BS? Okay. We could do two separate ones. Uh, Ooh, my oh, BS yeah. will be <laughs> that there is a normal amount of sex that every couple should be having. I think this is probably the most common question that we get. And people will always ask us about us. And they're like, well, but just tell us how much sex you guys have. <laughs> <laughs> like, There really is no magic number. And I, I get it that sex is complex and it would be nice to just have like a very crystal clear, like you guys two times a week and you're good, right? Like it's understandable, but it really truly is not 
true. Like there just is no magic number. Um, we've talked to couples who have had sex. They'll have sex a couple of times a year. And it's like the best sex ever. It's so connected. It's so intimate. It's really beautiful. And they are so happy. And we have had talk to multiple couples who have sex multiple times a day and they feel like it's not enough. It's bad. We're disconnected. So there just really is no magic number that's going to work for everyone. All right. My, my BS is that sex or great sex does not just happen naturally. I think that's so many people just think if it is Wait, not- Wait, you think the idea that it no, does no, no. not happen naturally is BS? No, it's, sorry. It is BS, sorry. Let, let me rephrase The double that. negative is throwing We're you off. We're just going to contradict yeah. everything we've said. Right. Spontaneous and yeah. natural. You guys I are I knew where you were going. Wrong. All right. It is BS that, that sex should happen naturally. I think that is, that's like behind so many of the things we talked about, but that, that idea feeds into the like, well, it's supposed to happen naturally. So we shouldn't need to talk about it. I shouldn't need to initiate. It should just happen. I shouldn't need to plan. I shouldn't need to, you know, I, I shouldn't need to proactively work on my own libido. Mm-hmm. It's just behind so many things. So, you know, the more you think about it, the more you talk about it, the more you plan for it, the better it's going to be. Sex is the most unnatural, natural act. Wow. (gasps) Quote of the episode. (laughs) Xander, Vanessa, it was a delight to have you. Where can people find you and all the amazing content you do, uh, e-courses, you do so much great stuff. How can people find you? Yeah, we would love to connect with your audience on Instagram. Um, We are at Vanessa Marin Therapy and we do daily stories. We're always talking about like listening, uh, answering questions from people, doing funny polls, sharing embarrassing stories of our own sex lives. So definitely follow us there. And we also have highlights, the body, body love one that I mentioned earlier. And then we have highlights with our free guides and all of our courses. So you can check out everything we offer. Yeah. And then also you can check out our website at vmtherapy.com. Amazing. If you enjoyed this episode, please, as always, we want you to do a rate, view, and subscribe and send it to a friend who might like it as well. It's follow an Apple podcast. It was a delight to have um, Vanessa and Xander here today. It's a delight for you to listen to us. We love you. And to grow yourself, you got to know yourself. We'll see you next week. Welcome to Raw Beauty Talks. I'm your host, Erin Trelore. Ready to peer behind the highlight reel and all those polished pictures of the world's biggest influencers and wellness experts? We're going to uncover what beauty, health, and wellness truly means in today's world. Warning though, there will be no surface level conversations here. As someone who really struggled with disordered eating and negative body image after trying to check all those be healthy boxes, I became a health coach because I'm passionate about redefining health and wellness so that it's less about the weight on the scale and more about how we feel. I truly believe how you feel on the inside reflects out into every aspect of your life. So if you're ready to go below skin deep to tap into a whole other level of wellness, you're in the right place. Let's pull back the curtain for some raw beauty talks.